everybody welcome back to the podcast daily it is wednesday it is the middle of february we're not in the woody um and so we're reaching for topics to talk about as ohio state football is still well, now inside three weeks till the start of camp um but the super bowl's over there's not a lot of, there's no recruiting going on for berm to talk about transfer portal is closed what else is out there well i guess it's the relative end of the coaching carousel so we're gonna we're gonna tackle this from a number of different uh, angles first of all that's berm and bill landis and i'm austin ward and berm we made a point to notre dame fans about a week ago and they had some questions about what we said are you just can we pat ourselves on the back or do you want to do that to them or they, they thought you were lying look i think that there's an issue that the fans of football in the midwest need to come to grips with and that's it does have a different vibe up here right now than it does in like let's say sec country where teams are willing to spend exorbitant amount of money to do whatever they want and ohio state notre dame uh michigan they're all playing a different game right now and at some juncture the big 10 is going to have to make a decision i fold notre dame into that group well they're you, just I don't think they're just not put, oh, spending whoa 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 i, whoa. I, I <laughs> fold them into that group from a perspective of they're, they're all playing the same type of of, of approach and we saw no no, you know, no 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 with no. notre dame right now they they felt like they had an offensive coordinator from from Utah ready to to come on board. They let Harry Highstand, the you know legendary offensive line coach, retire with the assumption that they're going to bring in the offensive line coach from Utah w- with him. And then it comes to terms that oh well, we're not going to pay out his buyout. So starting from scratch again, like Notre Dame lost an offensive coordinator who is a player there, who's been an assistant coach there for seven years because they just aren't paying the money that the schools elsewhere are paying. And uh, that's bad news, man. That's bad news for a program that wants to be competing with Ohio state and Alabama and Georgia, et cetera. So I cannot believe that you put Ohio state's coaching salary in the same conversation as Notre Dame. Well, no, I mean, I'm saying from a big picture perspective of how these schools are handling football and athletics versus what the sec and some other schools are doing. That's what I'm saying. Obviously, Ohio State pays their coaches a lot better than Notre Dame does. So does Michigan. But there's a mentality, which is to say, football can't be the most important thing. So let's let's just say, screw it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it our way, and it'll turn out great in the end. And I think that's the concern I have. Does I think that make the difference sense? is, well, <laughs> not really. I think we need to look at Notre Dame's tax returns from their NBC deal because – it seems to me, Bill, that this is a poverty program. <laughs> I believe I might have texted you something along those lines. <laughs> One of the news of uh, of Andy Ludwig not going there broke I, on uh, on Tuesday night or Wednesday or Monday night, I guess that was. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I like I, I can't imagine that Notre Dame is is hurting for money actually, um, but to not invest it more in your football program is odd to me. And like juxtaposed to a program like Ohio State, who I think was at one point kind of stuck in the same position uh, when we were talking with Gene Smith, I don't know what, five, six years ago about like, when are you going to have million dollar assistants? And like now everyone's a million dollar assistant. Uh, and they're, they're not shy about poning up the money to get coaches when they feel like they need to. Uh, you cannot operate the way that, that Notre Dame, I think is choosing to operate with its resources if you want to compete for championships. So I, I was trying to come up with a theory for how this could work and why it relates to Ohio State, because Georgia elected to promote with from within. Mike Bobo is back as their offensive coordinator. 
that seems pretty much in line with the way Ohio State has done business recently. I think there's a lot of similarities uh, between the two programs, other than one major one that Berm would be uh, happy to point out uh, in terms of inducements, potentially. Um, but um, that situation and then Alabama struggling to land anybody, winding up taking Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, it does seem like there are fewer major splashy outside hires in college football. And I don't know if that's because of all the other insanity that's going on, if that's a part that programs want to control, that they don't want to make major changes to their coaching staff when everything else is so unpredictable. I don't know if, and this, you can't really generalize every situation, but uh, if the coaching pool and the talent level in that profession is shrinking because of these armies of uh, quality control assistants and GAs that are being assembled, somebody like Mike Bogbo was already on staff for Georgia to promote. Uh, Ohio State's done this multiple times with Keenan Bailey. It has guys like Todd Fitch and Mike Salini who, if they had to make other moves on offense, those guys would would seamlessly move into that. I'm trying to like, – it just doesn't feel like the era of – major changes and sniping up and coming power five uh, group of five coordinators to the power five levels is happening anymore. Miami hired an offensive coordinator today and nobody even knew how to spell his first name. They didn't know who <laughs> he was. So I don't know if any of those theories make sense, but I'm just throwing out the hypothesis. I think it makes sense. Uh, stability is more important than ever in college football. And when the roster is so um, unstable and you don't know what's going to happen with the transfer portal and all that. You want guys that are, you know, familiar with the program and f understand your culture. I think it's interesting though, when you look at Alabama, for example, um, the attempt they made to hire Ryan Grubb from Washington, like that's traditionally something that would have just been like, Oh, we want this guy and he wants to come here because it's Alabama. And to say no uh, is interesting. Like, so I don't know if coaches around the country are realizing, hey, maybe the grass isn't always greener because you have to deal with all this extra crap that you didn't have to a few years ago. And maybe it makes more sense to stay at a place like Washington, a big time program, but certainly not with the expectation and all of the the, uh, you know, spotlight that Alabama has or or what it is. But something seems to be making coaches feel like it's not worth the squeeze at this point to make some of those jumps. And we're talking about an offensive coordinator at Utah who's there. I mean, this is what I think this is uh, the fourth time that Ludwig has been a coach at Utah. So like he's <laughs> what, what else could he do? And to say, hey, you know what? I'm not actually interested in going to coach at Notre Dame. Like that is interesting. And obviously he may have wanted the job and Notre Dame said, Hey, we're not going to do this. But if at some point you work out, what's important, I guess, when, when, if both sides have the same vision. So it's, it's, it's just a weird time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you go uh, sit shoulder to shoulder with Marcus Freeman at a Notre Dame hockey game, <laughs> unless you do want to take the job and get plastered on the jumbo board. Uh, and then uh, Notre Dame gets put in the spot of telling everyone that they're poor and can't afford to pay the buyout for Ludwig or the offensive line coach. Um, I, it, but the Jumbotron is nice. The Jumbo <laughs> apparently is, it is a nice uh, hockey facility they have there, and it seems like Ohio State's trying to build a similar one now, uh, which is kind of cool as a tangent. Um, it is <laughs> interesting. I, I wonder if, like, the idea that, like, Nick Saban, the the coordinator hires that he made, like, there were, there's no way that those were his first choices <laughs> to bring in his offensive and defensive coordinator. And I do wonder if this might be a, a kind of crazy theory, but, like, when this era of player – empowerment and, and movement started. I think a lot of the 
the retorts to people that kind of push back against that were, well, coaches can move as much as they want. They can go whatever they want. There's no rules restricting them really for moving to whichever program they want every year. And I do wonder if, if coaches are trying to now project stability in an effort to keep players within their program by not just like jumping at the first new thing that's available to them and, and so showing to these players, like, look, like I'm invested here, you be invested here. And then, and then, I guess in turn, the thought is that your roster doesn't blow up. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't think of it that way, but that could be one motivation, I suppose, for why these guys seem a little more willing to stay put than they have been in the most or, or in the recent past. Yeah, and for Ohio State, I mean, we how many questions did we get on OhioState.Rivals.com about? Well, what's the value of having a special teams coordinator? Uh, you know, what's the status of Parker Fleming? Uh, I have, I I was told uh, directly and reliably before the Rose Bowl that there was going to be a change in the defensive line coach. And then that hasn't happened another full season later. So, uh, you know, if that information that I passed along was incorrect, I'll certainly take uh, ownership of that. But I certainly trust the person who told me that. Um, that's beside the point. But if if Bill's theory is also correct, along with what I'm talking about, with it being maybe more difficult to go outside of the walls of where you work and and identify talent and bring it in, or finish the deal the way that Notre Dame has been unable to, or even Alabama uh, with what Nick Saban was going through. Like maybe there's just not the reward to make those moves. Uh, That's not to justify any decision that Ryan day has made or not made in the last year and year and a half, but there are always going to be other things aside of just evaluating Saturdays that have to be taken into account. That's a tricky spot though, isn't it? Like if you're, just use that example if you're Ohio State, and I want this to, to come out the right way, but if if you are in a position where you think to yourself, like, we might need to make a change at a whatever position coach, and you don't do it because you're afraid of what that might do to your roster, and then you, like, tie yourself to someone that you think you can maybe do better than or someone who, um, I don't know, has, like, lost their fastball a little bit, and you think you can just make a minor improvement there or even a major improvement there. I, I think that can be dangerous, too. Like, And that makes probably head coaches' jobs a little more – difficult perhaps than they have been in the past. Like you're, you're weighing this new thing where if you get rid of a position coach or make a change, like that entire position group could leave and then you're left with nothing. But can you let that get in the way of you making it what you think is a necessary change at that position? I don't know. It's tough. Coaching is still a, a big boys club in a lot of ways. And the guys hire who they know and they want to be around coaches that they trust. And that's always how, you know, businesses generally work with the guy who's been there and understands what you do is the guy you promote. Urban Meyer's career was was built early in his career on getting rid of guys two years after they started because he didn't want to have a bunch of yes men around him. And then by the end of his career at Ohio State, it was all yes men around him. And we saw the difference. We saw the difference in the Ohio State staff um, at the end of Urban Meyer's tenure versus the beginning. And you look at a coach like Ryan Day, who's young and doesn't really have an established coaching tree behind him. And, you know, when he needed an offensive line coach, he went out and got the guy he knew best, which is Justin Fry. And that's just the way it works. So at some point, you do wonder with coaches like Grubb to Alabama, for example, Alabama is known for going outside of their little tree because everyone wants to work for Saban. But at some point, maybe it's just there's diminishing returns on what that means for these coaches because maybe they've heard enough rumors or they don't want to go to that or that obviously it's different for Notre Dame when we're talking about, they just won't flat out pay anybody what, what they need to pay people. But um, it's uh, it's, I think it's apples and oranges based on what 
program we're talking about. So, you know, obviously Jim Harbaugh was gifted a defensive coordinator a couple of years in a row by his brother. So if you have that sort of option, then you take it. But because when he had hired his own guys previously, it, it t- didn't turn out as well as people would have hoped. So I, I think it's just a matter of personality and what you want in the room and in the building. And, but to Bill's point, like that is scary when, when you say, Hey, we, we think it's time to move on and from a coach, but if you do, then do you lose a handful of players that are currently the best players on the roster? And then, then what? Like, I mean, that, that's a, that's a weird spot that nobody really thought college football would be in even three years ago. But even the Harbaugh philosophy of being gifted coaches doesn't work every time because sometimes you get uh, an ace NFL caliber defensive coordinator and other times you get someone who commits computer uh, fraud or whatever it is he did. I don't computer know. Crimes. Uh, computer crimes. Computer crimes. Whatever. The I felonies mean, the, get fired. Like, the there's only risk crime to that is, too. The crime is that Ohio State couldn't figure out how to defend that <laughs> offense the last couple of years. <laughs> That's the crime. Okay. Um, I don't really know how to evaluate that, except you make a fair point. But like the same thing is true for Ohio State. There is no guarantee in doing this. Um, Ryan Day elected for someone he wasn't familiar with early on with Mike Yurcich in that relationship had deteriorated before the first season even started uh, with Mike Yurcich and Ryan day in the same room. And then he wanted some familiarity when he had to get a defensive coordinator and Kerry Combs came and that didn't uh, work out either. So really like the, the urgency to ever want to make any kind of move, I understand, but sometimes the patience is the better part because there is no certainty that anything is going to work out. People say the same thing about Chris Holtman. Like, are you going to get somebody better? Sometimes that is an excuse to not make a move. Sometimes it's sometimes it works out. I don't know. Uh, but there's no sure thing. And so I think in this era, like I said before, where you can control something, I think that's what coaches are latching onto is stability more than taking those gambles because everything else that's going on right now makes it unpredictable on a day-to-day basis who you're even going to be coaching. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a place like Georgia, Mike Bobo has been there before and he was successful at times, didn't have near the talent that they have at Georgia now. So you wonder, Hey, if you have a guy that knows the system, knows what we do, but now has much better players, maybe it works out better. Um, I, I think Georgia fans from what I've seen most of the day on Tuesday, were pretty split on, Oh, this, this makes sense. Or, Oh no. Why again? Um, you know, you're the two-time national champion and and you have to understand like Kirby Smart's looking at that and going, I want guys that I know and um, not have to go through this whole process. It sucks. You're in the middle of February and you're still losing coaches. Like that's crazy. It's kind of crazy. I did enjoy uh, once that, once the news of Bobo came out, I, I jumped into the, the mentions of Georgia beat writers to see how fans are responding. <laughs> and there was actually like some, some well thought out responses there. Like, and like, interesting conversations about how good Bobo was the last time he was there and how much different the roster is now and how much different Georgia is as a program now. And and we're using that to project some optimism. And then you jump into the Notre Dame mentions and it's just like, we're poor, we're poor, we're poor, we're poor, we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, very yeah. funny. <laughs> and the Notre Dame coach is like, no, rapport, rapport. <laughs> we all, we, we would just want chemistry, chemistry, please. It's so weird, man. Like Notre Dame, come on, Notre Dame. You've got money. We've seen it. We know you wear those green uniforms sometimes, and those are straight made with NBC's cash. Like, come maybe on, they sh- maybe they shouldn't have spent two million dollars to go film a Hangover trailer <laughs> to 
unveil jerseys last year in the preseason. Then they could have actually paid somebody's buyout. That was probably worth it. I just think, you know, but it's, you know, we can talk about the hockey arena, for example. It it is interesting. Like, these are the things that the Big Ten, the schools in the Midwest are doing and thinking about that they just don't think about in the SEC. Obviously, they're not playing a lot of high-level hockey down there at Alabama right now. So, (laughs) like, they're not – they're. They're not spending their money building the, you know, uh, arenas for, for hockey or for tennis or for wrestling. Like they're saying, Oh, you know what? We need more players for football. Let's give them our money. <laughs> like this is the difference. And I, I, that's my whole point at the beginning of the show. Like there is a s- not subtle difference in what the priorities are in the programs in the Midwest versus, uh, down south. And I, I don't know. Like, I think you can objectively look at it and go, you know what? You should be, uh, you know, investing in other programs and other sports and giving other opportunities to student athletes. But then you're like, the SEC's won 100 of the last 100 championships. <laughs> so, like, at some point, what are you interested in? And I, I don't know. I feel like winning is the most important thing. So, uh, I don't money. think that stat is accurate. 100 uh, out of 100. I, you are, I, I recall uh, Ohio State when he won recently. You'll have to trust me on this. That's because Ohio State's an SEC team in the Big Ten. <laughs> well, then don't compare them to Notre Dame. Jeez, everyone, everyone knows this, that, but they don't want to be an SEC team in the Big Ten. This is the this is the battle. This is the struggle. Like they they should be they should be happy. They should be leaning into that. What but, if anyway. uh, what if how about how about this? How about how about you kill two birds? And name Go Birds. That's right. Oh, Go Birds. Yeah. Are what? Well, are so, you going to say Ohio State's getting ready? Ohio State's getting ready to build a new uh, aviary. No. What? They, but 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 what if they name the new hockey arena after like KJ Bolden? <laughs> That's not the worst idea I've heard. That's not the worst idea I've heard. The the KJ Bolden Center for Ohio State Hockey. Uh, right. That that is the way to get you know safeties from Georgia. That's for sure. <laughs> They love hockey there. They've been missing it for so long. We heard all about that when we were down there for the Peach Bowl. We missed the Thrashers. Bring them back. Yeah. We haven't had any hockey players murdering people on the highways. Like, got to have this done again. Please. Um, Hmm. I would bet. I haven't looked. There's got to be at least one Notre Dame writer right now scurrying over to the keyboard to say, Notre Dame's getting back in the mix for Brian Hartline, and he's bringing Justin Fry to coach the offensive line. Because they are still living in a state of denial over there. I would like to know, because it doesn't, doesn't, uh, I I think the the contracts, the new assistant coach contracts for Ohio State are like close to being finalized or have been finalized, but they're not not been released yet. But isn't, isn't the, the reported like $4 million combined buyout for the offensive coordinator and an offensive line coach from Utah, doesn't that seem, incredibly high for, for assistant coaches M- much higher than i've seen for anyone at ohio state yeah yeah maybe brian hartline's now is like six million i don't know we'll see i think kyle whittingham kyle whittingham's pretty smart you know i mean he's playing check he's playing uh chestnut checkers over there hmm. you know it, he's you don't have to pay your guys down. a whole bunch of money you don't have to pay your guys a whole bunch of money if other schools have to pay way more to get them <laughs> smart yeah we we need to talk to Kyle Whittingham's agent then, because I don't think Kyle Whittingham's doing that himself. Seems very sharp. I don't think you should put things past Kyle Whittingham. I envy Utah's program. They're well, they're well made. That's nice a, program. You that's got a big, Utes. big ten program in the Pac-12. <laughs> that's correct. They spend more than Notre Dame. Hmm. Also correct. 
So that was a weird coaching carousel conversation, but that's what happens in the middle of February when we are, we're running low. We don't want to do a position preview every single day. Um, and I think that this sparked some illuminating conversation with Berm and Bill Landis. And we'll try it again tomorrow. Until then, thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. For Bill Berm, I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.